Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now here's your host, Tom Singer. Hey there, you have found your way to another episode of Making Waves at Sea Level. Thank you so much for choosing this podcast, because we know in the world of podcasts, you have unlimited choices of where you can put your attention and who you can put into your earballs. So I appreciate that this is where you've chosen to be right now. I started this show six and a half years ago as a way to have access to really smart people who were doing really cool things. And today, we have one of the smartest people I know who is doing some very cool stuff, and that is David Horsager. Now, David runs a company. He's the CEO of a company called the Trust Edge Institute. And what they do is they develop trusted leaders in organizations through training, consulting, and certification. And what David loves to do is he loves to help people solve the root problem that's keeping them from growing their business. And what his research has shown is that root problem always goes back to trust. So today I thought we would talk about why trust matters for business. So David Horsager, welcome to Making Waves at Sea Level. Hey, thanks, Tom. It is great to be here. I love it. No, I'm so glad you're here. So when the word trust comes up, you are like, the leading expert on this. You, over 10 years ago, did your PhD research around trust in business. And every year since then, your company has done ongoing research on this topic. So why did you pick trust? What led you to studying that? Actually, it was a couple decades ago that I started my master's research on it even. And, and so let me, let me, I'll go this way. I was, I was doing this leadership work and, and I still remember where I was. Lisa and I, we didn't have kids yet. And I was, we were out, you know, probably at the nicest resort we'd stayed till at that point at this leadership event. And, um, it was like the Lowe's resort and somewhere in Arizona. And I just remember looking kind of out at the stars and it wasn't this great, Epiphany was just kind of a boom in my head. And it, it was just like, the issue they think they're having is not a leadership issue. I think it's a trust issue. And I started looking at it, oh, the sales issue they think they're having, that, that's not a sales issue. It's actually a trust issue. So that kind of led to that, first of all, my graduate work on it, that first uh, research really uh, almost two decades ago. And then that led to, you know, now all the research we do out of the Institute. And, and, and we started using it in companies. And we saw dry attrition go down by millions. We saw sales go up by millions. We saw solving uh, for, for uh, you know, trying to solve for corruption issues in parts of the world and pro sports team issues. And, and trust kept being the key lever and leading indicator. And so that just grew the passion. But that was the, the start of it was back then and seeing that, you know, starting to see the impact of it. And it became, uh, became, I became passionate about it because I believe a lack of trust is the real biggest cost, the biggest expense. So you wrote a book called The Trust Edge, and it was a really good seller. People have read it all over the world. So tell me about the trust edge. And then I want to talk about the new book that's coming out. Well, you know, as a miracle, this farm kid from Minnesota, you know, starts out and it was a, became a Wall Street best journal bestseller and a bunch of other things. And I don't know how many languages or whatever, but it resonated and it still sells today. And that was over a decade ago. And that was, uh, 
That was basically inspired by my core grad work about how a lack of trust is the biggest cost we have and how you actually build it. And these these eight pillars came out of that original research. And this, I, I call them pillars today, but eight, eight kind of research funnels, eight ways trust is built globally. Just last year, an outside university just um, uh, did through triangulated revalidation showed that these eight are still, these are the ways trust is built globally. They, you know, uh, fits under these funnels. So, um, yeah, so that's where it came from. The case for trust still stands. We have a whole lot we've learned over the last, you know, over a decade since that came out. So the eight pillars, and I've been doing some research because I'm actually getting certified through the Trust Mm -hmm. Edge Institute as one of your coaches and trainers. And so uh, I've been doing my homework on the (laughs) Trust Edge uh, because you like there's like 16 hours worth of things. And there's a lot of videos of you telling stories about growing up on the farm. So I've been having like dreams about your dad's farm and, (laughs) you know, your childhood. But there's eight. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, before I get into the eight pillars, I just should say this, because I, I need to shift think. A lot of times we think we think we know it all about trust. Like, oh, it takes tra- transparency is trusted. Well, so is confidentiality. Some of your kids are so transparent on social media, I don't trust them for a second, right? So it, it's kind of like, I go back to the original research, and trust was bigger, more complex, and different than I thought. It takes a long time to build trust. Well, in America, in, in a mo- moment like a crisis like 9-11, complete strangers trust each other like that if they're running the same direction. So I really believe the first thing we need to see, and we don't need to dwell on this at all, I just we people need to see that a lack of trust is the biggest cost, and trust is always the leading indicator. It's always a trust issue at the core, and I'm, I'm not I don't have ego about that. I don't think that doesn't mean I know how to solve everything or I think I know it all about everything. I just believe if people see the real issue, they actually are able to solve the attrition, diversity, inclusion, marketing, whatever issue. So starting with that in mind, if you see that research, how a lack of trust, the biggest cost, then how we build it, we jump to the eight pillars. Sure, absolutely. And so the eight pillars, it's fascinating because they they all are intertwined. As I I sort of looked under the hood, I was really focused because of my background and and stuff that I've spoken on for 12 years around connection. I thought, oh, it's the connection pillar that I'm going to latch onto and I'm going to, you know, mirror into stuff. But as we got into it, each pillar mattered Mm -hmm. for connection. And it was like, wait a minute, it's not just the connection pillar that matters for how do we build relationships in in this virtual crazy world. It's all of these and it all comes back to trust. So I'm just going to go through the eight pillars really quick. Then I want to touch on a couple of them that I think are important for people at the sea level, they're all important for people. And at they the all C-level. interconnect, but they're not just because they all start with C's for clarity. They came out of research funnels, not some kind of cheesy motivational. Let's just use C's as a, you know, a thing. They, th- this C word denotes this research funnel. And I believe you can solve every leadership issue, organizational issue against these eight funnels. Absolutely. So the first one is consistency. The second one is clarity. Then we have compassion character, contribution, competency, connection, and commitment. And you're right. These aren't just a marketing like, hey, David's eight C's of trust. Mm, right. But this is, you know, what your research shared out. And in fact, one of them, it was funny because uh, you mentioned in the stuff I was watching that one of them didn't start with a C and you found the C word to make it work. <laughs> Otherwise, it would have been awkward to have seven right, of right. them start with a C. But when I think about how do you make waves at sea level? How do you shake things up as a business leader? A couple of these really resonated with me. And since we don't have time to talk about all of them, I'm going to pick out three. And I just want you to just really quick, give a synopsis on why business leaders need to care about the ones I've chosen. So the first one that I brought up is 
clarity because throughout my career, I have worked for a lot of people. Some of them have been like, let's go take over the world. Well, what does that even mean? And some of them have been like, you know, we're going to increase sales by 10% and we're going to do it through these three steps. Wow, that's a lot easier when a leader is clear for me to be able to follow. So let's talk about clarity for a second. Well, the big finding there was people trust the clear and they mistrust the ambiguous or the overly complex. People have just as much problem with, with overcomplexifying beyond what is needed, losing clarity, which always loses trust. So we think we want to look smart. Back when I was, you know, in, a professor and whatever, you know, that we don't look smart. You know, it's like whenever you overcomplexify beyond what is needed, you lose clarity, which loses trust. So clarity is trusted. And I'm telling you, marketing firms, branding firms, they think they're clear when they're not. It takes work to be clear in the way I'm talking about it. And it affects everything. So you can take a, a leader, they might need to be clear about the vision uh, to be more trusted. But the salesperson, they might be really cool about, uh, they might be really clear on how cool they are, how long they've been in business, but they're not clear about the benefits of the product to me. So they're not selling anything. They're not clear in the right way. The, 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 uh, the teacher might be really clear, they, they might be really compassionate and have high character, but not clear about the assignment. So all the students hate the, the teacher. So in each case, there are a clarity issue, which relates to trust. So that's right. People trust the clear and they mistrust or distrust the ambiguous. And I love the fact that it's not just the ambiguous. They also mistrust the over complex because I think we do True. this in business all, all the, time. the time. I'm trying to deal with a, a large company. You know, I won't name right now if it was maybe into it QuickBooks and I'm trying to get a customer service issue solved that really could be solved now two weeks into it, really could have been solved if someone just jumped on the phone with me, but they have made it so complex to be able to have a conversation with them that, you know, I am just thinking of moving on. And that's, you know, that's a sad thing after 10 years of working with a product to have to start over with somebody else. But it's like, just make it simple. And because they're not clear, so... You can see all these mixed together. One of the pillars, whether we cover it or not, is compassion. We'll trust those that care beyond themselves. You know, if we don't, if we don't feel cared about, we don't feel like someone has our back or, 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 or whatever, we don't want to be accountable to them. We don't want to follow them. And so here's an example. You don't feel cared about by that client because they're not clear. They all connect with each other. Uh, that's true. So the next one that I picked out, I was going to pick character, but I thought, you know, that one, that one kind of goes without saying when it comes to leadership and, and how you do it, although there's a lot to it. But the one that really stood out to me was contribution. I thought long and hard as I was going through your coursework about contribution. And I thought, you know, the people who roll up their sleeves and are doers are by far the people I trust more than people who are just sitting around gazing at their navel and not doing the work. So let's talk about contribution. So the, the contribution pillar, this is the, the pillar, the number one word that came out of this research funnel was results. So we, we trust results, performance, outcomes. So this is really critical. Now, this is why all eight are important though, because you can get results without compassion or character, and I will not trust you, or you can have compassion and character, not get results, and I won't trust you. It, they are relatively co-equal in certain ways. You need all eight to gain this thing we call the trust edge, greatest advantage we believe you can have in business or life. But this is the results pillar. So, Tom, I would trust you to take my kids to the ball game because I know your character. I know your compassion. I would trust you to coach a senior leader because I know your competency. That does not mean I would trust you to give me a root canal. <laughs> smart. You're, you're a smart yeah. man, David. 
Exactly. So you have to stay. If you're, if you're out there and you're leading the same way you were 20 years ago, I don't trust you. If you're selling the way you were 10 years ago, I don't trust you. You've got to stay fresh and relevant and capable to contribute the results. I'm, I'm mixing two together here, but contribution is the results pillar. Um, here, here's another way actually of saying this one. I've got to go in for amputation. We cut off the wrong leg. I got a problem because I got the wrong result. Even if you were a compassionate surgeon, a character search, you cut off the wrong leg. You've got to deliver results. You've got to contribute results. So, you know, we talk about two sides of this pillar. And one is being a contributor myself, doing, being, getting results. And the other side is how do I motivate my team to contribute results? We got to, we are trusted based on the results and outcomes we deliver, especially in a virtual environment where I can't see you. So the last one I want to touch on is connection because this is what I care about, right? I mean, I've called myself the conference catalyst for 12 years because when I speak at an event, I'm going to get the people at your event to connect better while they're on premise and how they follow up. And so for me, this whole idea of connection has been, you know, kind of my work for over a decade. And I really loved what you had to say about connection. So let's talk about why connection matters in gaining trust. Yeah, we we really, we want to be, connecting really a couple of keywords out of this one that were actually both C words. We trust that there's those that are willing to connect and collaborate with others. You know, each of these pillars have counter forces. And so if I go into an organization and I see siloing as an example, I know I've got a counter force to the connection pillar. And I like under this pillar, I actually, I like some outside research these days. If any of you have seen or heard about the, the work by the myth of genius that found nothing great has ever been done alone. I, it, it's, you know, Edison light bulb that didn't stand for just Edison. The, the, the Eli Whitney didn't probably create the cotton gin. It probably was a group of slaves and Catherine Green, a lady had a lot to do with it, but you probably, you couldn't put on, on a patent in those days. You could only put one person. So we, we love to have this hero syndrome in America and yet this willingness to connect and collaborate. I've seen you on stage. I've seen you connect with an audience and connect an audience with themselves. And you can see, and I can see just the difference of the feel of that, um, that event because of it. Right. But that's the same with us. We have to, people want to do business with those that they feel connected to, not just that they like, remember the number one question everybody's asking about you, about a client, about a leader is not, do I like you? The number one question is, can I trust you? And that happens when I feel, you know, some connection. Well, and we have, you know, there's the old cliche, but of course, cliches are all built on truth that, you know, people want to do business with people they know, they like, and they trust. And, yes. you know, I, I believe that stands true today, but the definition of the word no, K-N-O-W, has tra- changed drastically over the past 12 years because of social media. We now think a like, a link, a share, and a follow. You mm. know, if somebody follows you on Twitter, they're like, I know David Horsager. Well, no, you know what he wants to put out on Twitter. You don't know everything about him. And if they listen to your podcast, they don't know everything about you. They know about what you're focused on with the trusted leader for the trusted leader podcast. So I think that no used to get to know somebody used to be this process to make that connection used to take time and work. And Mm -hmm. and there was, you know, repeat in front of him. Now we think, Oh, I met David. I linked to him on LinkedIn. I know him. So I think like, and trust are harder to get to because how do we even determine that anymore. You know, there, there's something about that today, and this is how we built our coaching certification program. This is what I'm most excited about with it. Is um, I saw the research today actually on this. So I'm not just pulling this out of nowhere. I wish I had that in, in front of me. But the the uh, cycle of virtual learning 
basically of how, you know, it used to be you, you kind of take a, a Kajabi or a Thinkific course, and then you have this, and then you have that. And now, going forward, it's going to, community is going to be central. And this is what's been really fun about this coaching community is like, yep, you give the, people want research-based content. They want this, they want this, but they want to be a part of something that's doing great things together. They want to sharpen each other. So even in a virtual environment, we have to think about how can we connect? How can we create community? And by the way, when we do that, we're humans. It's fun. It's way more fun than on your own in a little virtual this or that. So, so we have to think of even in, whether virtual or not, how do we connect and create community? Because turns out humans are at their best when they're in community in some way, even introverts, by the way. Yeah, no, I, I fully, I fully agree with that. And, you know, I find it very interesting because you've had this work and you've had your coaches and you've worked inside companies, getting people certified to be trainers inside like fortune 1000 companies where you've worked. But a year ago, you opened up the trust edge Institute. You opened up your coaching materials and everything you have to people who could join your community and use your research and use, you know, your materials to be able to take the message of trust out into the world. So what caused you to make that shift instead of we have this little company and it's our people mm -hmm. or it's our clients people mm -hmm. to now anyone can sign up and become, well, they can pass the, the test and do the right. work, can be certified as a trust edge coach. What, what caused that, that sea change in your mind? Several things happened to me. One, um, it was actually um, John Maxwell that said, David, you got to get this out to coaches. This is you. And I was mentored by some people that maybe came out of the Sendelaney Covey platforms that said, uh, you know, just teach it to to companies, um, just certify companies, not individuals, because coaches will rip you off. And I started thinking, you know what? My book's already been plagiarized by someone that, you know, the, the Simon Schuster had to deal with that. I didn't have to, um, you know, all these other things that, hey, Let's let's let, it's not working to protect everything anyway. So let's let the world use it. Isn't so it isn't said, it ironic that somebody got a book all the way through trust. Simon and Schuster? Yeah, that, about trust that yeah. was stolen material. Yeah, they, they they almost got it by them, but they they went over and dealt with. It. But they, um, I mean, I I've had a person call himself to trust something and 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 see my speech and open with my stories and so it's, it's like okay. Let's just give it, let's just do this in a different way. Let's help people. We believe in this. We believe in the impact of it. So we created a platform where people could kind of get everything they needed, both the assessments, the tools, and the community. Uh, and, and, and I, I actually just kind of had a heart change of, I think this is the best way. I think it's more me. You know, I used to have a chief operating officer who was really big on protecting my stuff and protecting me. And that wasn't exactly working anyway. And I, I had, I just, that person uh, moved on who was a great person, by the way, but it allowed me to shift thinking when John said this and some other things, I had a chief learning officer of an organization, big organization, you would all know, say, David, this actually of all, we've been through all this, that, the other thing, this is the best leadership development I've ever seen. And it's the best model for 20 years ago. And what she meant was it's the best, it's the best leadership training, but how it can't just be do a train the trainer day and do and you tr train your people. It's got to be more flexible. So that's why we were motivated to create this platform with the ways of measuring trust, with the ways of training trust, with the ways of coaching trust, plus ongoing equipping and community. And it's been really fun to see the impact. And so that's the way of kind of replicating impact when you're genuinely passionate about it. Not this whole marketing scheme of how do I scale as fast as I can for my own self, but how do you actually replicate this work and, and, and make change go beyond me? Because now 
in very short time of doing this, we have certified coaches in, you know, Uganda, Kenya, Kyrgyzstan, Amsterdam, Austin, Quebec. Austin, Texas, Austin, like, Austin, Austin yeah. Texas, the coolest one. Well, yeah. From Austin, Texas. So the but newest, say, the newest one, because I've only yes. only got my certification right. a few days ago. But so I have not yet gone out and taught this, but I have reached out to several of my past clients yeah. and said, look, I now have this new material that I've been certified on. You know, yep. can I do this? kind of at a discounted right. rate so that I can come and, and try it. Because like anything, you've got to do things a few times yep. and not a single person has said, that sounds stupid. They're all like, oh, you know, and I, and I work <laughs> well, a lot with law firms. And the number one thing is one lawyer told me every law firm out there says we're, and in hand quotes, he said, trusted advisors. And he goes, yeah. not a single lawyer knows what it means. He goes, come teach us. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I, I'll tell you what was exciting. We just heard back from uh, one of our uh, newer certified coaches in Indonesia, and she's, she coaches oil and banking executives using our work. And she's talked about these case, you know, things that are happening there. But she just started using this in her volunteer work of girls that are coming out of trafficking in, um, you know, uh, in just terrible situations in helping them rebuild trust. And I mean, that's so it's, I love seeing companies grow, but I love seeing people grow too. And that's just been really fun to see. So David, I've got some more questions for you around trust and about your new book, The Trusted Leader. But first I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and that pesky technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing people who are making waves in business like David Horsager. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know, I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. And let's face it, in the last year, everybody who breathes air wants to start a podcast, including David Horsehager. So David, let's talk (laughs) about the new podcast. You're about 10 episodes in called The Trusted Leader, which is coupled with the coming release in just the next few weeks of your new book by the same name. Trusted Leader Show. And uh, the new book is trustedleaderbook.com. We got something special for you just to know, trustedleaderbook.com slash waves, uh, where you can get some really cool extra things. But basically the new book, um, you know, that first book, 367 pages, it was not just research-based, it was actionable, but that was my, you know, core content over a decade ago. And of course, in over a decade of working with organizations since that book came out, And with leaders, you really learn some new things about how can I apply this tomorrow morning? So the new book, the first half is a story to shift thinking around trust, to see how trust impacts everything more than anything. And it's, it's a really fun, engaging, cool, quick story. And the second half is the eight pillar framework because that's research based, but all new takeaways that we've learned of how a leader can use it, a parent can use it, a teacher can use it tomorrow morning to build clarity tomorrow morning, or the compassion pillar, the spa method, the how, how, how method, the trust shield under the connection pillar, really powerful exercise that trust shield exercises. So get new 
quick takeaways you can use tomorrow morning to build those pillars as a leader. That's trusted leader. I'm excited about it. There's some, you know, uh, really cool momentum around the impact of that. And um, we're excited, excited to have that coming out March 30th. Well, having done this work now, you know, for almost 20 years, I got a question. What new have you learned around being a trusted leader? What are some of the new things that you share in the book? Well, I'll tell you something interesting, maybe over the last year and a half, you know, when is the fastest opportunity to build trust? Is it first interaction? Many people think it's first interaction. The fastest opportunity is in crisis. Oh, of course. You know, yeah, you, you're, you, everything speeds up. So people, and by the way, change and change is not over. Crisis is not over. There's going to be change, right? So if you can build trust, if you can keep, uh, if you can build trust or you can deal with things in crisis, your trust goes up enormously. So that's that's an interesting takeaway. Another thing we learned is people either think they have trust or they don't, and it's not true. You can absolutely actively build it. In fact, you can do some little things to grow trust in a brand, uh, a person, an organization, even a global government, and see trust go up quickly in certain areas. Of course, there are areas that take a whole lot of work, and that's another finding. You got to do the work. Some trust, people want to, you know, go back to the cyber cybernetics research which actually was good research but some some motivational speakers tweaked it and and started to say you could change every habit in 21 days which is totally not true there's even been books written on that which aren't aren't true and and the problem is people want to just oh i can just do this quick and that quick and people even called us and said hey uh i got this trust issue can you just i'll give you five minutes you know well it takes work but i'm telling you the greatest work you can do in business and life is increase trust because when you do, you always increase outcomes from marketing to sales to just leadership or reach. So um, those are a few of the ideas that I think we're thinking about. Well, and one of the things that I saw, and I'm going to forget the exact number, but it was either 183 or 186% more successful when it comes to their bottom line are companies who are considered trusted than those, who, than those who are just average companies. 186% is a lot more money no matter who you are. So therefore, trust becomes important if it's impacting the bottom line. And in certain sectors, by the way, that's, that, that is even higher than that now, where higher trust is, is increasingly outperformed lower trust. Trust is always that key metric. You know, one other finding from the newest research, and by the way, if anybody wants this, we give our research away free. We pay for it. Global study every year. And trustoutlook.com, we give you the white paper. But one of the findings was last year, the number one reason people wanted to work for an organization ahead of being paid more, ahead of more autonomy, ahead of a more fun work environment with a ping pong table, you know. Number one was trusted leadership. People want to work for people they trust. So that was another inspiration for the book. Either either people want to be a more trusted leader or they want to work for leaders that they trust, and it always affects the bottom line too. So um, just one other new takeaway. Well, and one of the things that I've always told my clients, and like I said, I, I work with people across industry lines, but whether it's lawyers or, or anybody else, is that it's really hard to unseat a good incumbent. So people are always trying to steal their competitors' clients, but the problem is, is that unseating an incumbent, unless they screw up or they're not trusted, is hard. And, you know, so it's one of those things that I know firsthand, because I work both as a, a keynote speaker and mm-hmm. as a... Uh, uh, master ceremonies. And then I also work in the executive search world now. And one of the things I've found is, is that, you know, if people really love who they work for, they're not so interested to take a call from a recruiter. 
But if there's a little chink in that armor of trust when it comes to when when stuff hits the fan is what's the boss going to do, they're pretty apt to return a call to a recruiter. But my example on the speaking side, as a master of ceremonies, it's a hard sell. Companies and associations don't always use a professional MC. They have their uh, director of sales because he's got a great personality or their board president for an association just fill that role. And yet once I'm in, I often work for two, three, and four years in a row for the same client. And people are like, well, why would they have the same MC? Well, because I'm not the keynoter. I'm just bringing, you know, energy and, and, and sort of continuity to the event. But after they've seen what I do, they fully trust that, oh, Tom's going to make the conference better. If they've never seen it and they don't know anybody who's used me, it's a much harder sell. And I've always wondered, you know, it's, it's so hard for me to sell this. And yet getting repeat business as an MC <clears throat> happens almost automatically. And that comes back as I was reading all of your materials and going through the course. It's like, oh, that's because clients who've worked with you trust you. Whereas clients who haven't worked with you, you got to build it somehow. They want consistency. And, you know, there is something... Even in keynoters more and more, I've seen myself get hired back, even though they think, oh, we want a new keynote next year, we want a new keynote. But if you have the right content, there is something about a Tom Singer. Look at that. He emceed last year. We have fresh content coming in, but it's like, I want to go back to this person that I liked and remembered. And I've seen your likability and, you know, on, on stage. So it's like um, this where, hey, they know we're going to have new content, but oh, I'm going to be able to, I'm going to enjoy this again. Like the way it's done. I can, I can sit back and relax because, hey, there's not going to be dead spots. It's going to move fast. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be engaging. It's going to be, it's going to be related to me. And that people have over and over and over and over and over even if they want a fresh keynoter, right? So absolutely. So David, we could talk, we could talk forever about everything that you do around trust. I just wanted to bring you on here because I think it's so important for leaders and companies to be thinking about it. And if they've never looked at how are they doing, uh, they can contact the Trust Edge Institute. They can contact me. And yep. uh, you have assessments for both individuals and for companies on how they're doing on these eight pillars. So how do people find you? Well, if you if you are interested at all in the coaching, trustedgecoaching.com will give you a free demo, no problem. Uh, so just trustedgecoaching.com, jump on, see a demo if you're interested in that kind of thing, whether you're inside of a company or out. Uh, otherwise, we just did a special uh, page my uh, uh, colleague did for you, www.trustedleaderbook.com slash waves. And there's something special there. If you get the book, you get all this other stuff that will help you be a more trusted leader and take, you know, on your own or you take your organization to the next level around thinking about trust. Awesome. Well, David Horsehager, thanks for all you do for everybody. Thanks for being my friend. And thanks for being a guest on Making Waves at Sea Level. And for all of you who have tuned in and listened, I say it every single week. If it wasn't for the audience, why would I do this podcast? It's so that you and I get exposed to people who are making waves, shaking things up, and doing cool things. So be sure to turn in, tune in every Tuesday and Thursday as uh, we bring you more interviews with people just as cool as David Horsager. And you're thinking, Tom, where will you ever find anybody that cool? I'm just going to say this. Trust me. <laughs> you see what I did there? All right. So in the meantime, go out there, flex your entrepreneurial muscles, make sure that your career ladder, make sure it's in the right place. If you're going to climb that career ladder, don't get to the top and say, oops, I did this all wrong. And go out there. And while you're doing all this good stuff, have some fun. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast. Without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. 
Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.